ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Burke. Can you hear that, folks? Do you hear it? That's the sound of a Rex Burkhead free fantasy football podcast. What's going on, everybody? Scott Burke here for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm rolling solo today with you, Mike Randall. My esteemed partner, out on vacation down at the Jersey Shore with his lovely wife and lovely kids, enjoying a much-needed week off. Like we said last episode, you're going to get me here for a couple episodes solo. Then I will go away for a week as well to the same location in the same area as Mr. Randall is at right now. You'll get him solo for a few episodes. And then we will be back in full force, taking you all the way through August, through training camp, through redraft season up until the kickoff of the NFL season, and all throughout the NFL season. You know we all love it. We can't wait for it. Training camps are coming around the corner. Everybody's got the itch. People are looking for dynasty leagues, looking for best ball leagues, doing mock drafts out the yin-yang. We're ready to go. We know you're ready to go. And we're going to get you all through the NFL season and the fantasy football season. Like I said, rolling solo here today. Scott Burke, you can find me on Twitter at SCOT557. You can find my partner at Randall Rant. The show is at PUT Blitz. We're on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud. You can find us anywhere you want. Subscribe. Give us a follow. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating. Give us five stars. Why not? I think, we, I think we're catering to you guys. We, we really like what we're doing for you guys, and we hope you're enjoying it as well. Before I get into quarter one, which is the news and notes, just want to get into a little bit of what I was doing last night. Last night, I was at the FanDuel VIP Derby Day party at the Meadowlands Racetrack here in New Jersey. I had won my way into this contest late May. Uh, It was a $3 entry. Won my way into this fantastic party that the folks at FanDuel and the Meadowlands uh, threw last night. And it happened to coincide with the grand opening of the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands Racetrack here in New Jersey. Uh, great time was had by all. And if you're a football fan, fantasy football fan, the sports book is something that's going to be right up your alley. FanDuel taking control, getting getting it in at the Meadowlands Racetrack there, uh, at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, you know, just being at that party last night, I know it was geared towards horses and baseball and we're a football podcast, but it is a DFS site launching their sports book, which only means good things for you. DFS players like myself, come football season, look for that sports book to be on the FanDuel app. Look for them to kind of tie it in maybe with the DFS, maybe get some contests where they coincide with sports book credit. Who knows what's going to happen, but a lot of interesting go- things going on. A little tout out, a little pat on the back for myself. Was one of 50 finalists to make this party. We were all allowed to bring a guest. It was a great time had by all. And for the 50 finalists, they had a little Derby Day contest. It was a single-game baseball showdown. And yours truly here was the Yankees and the Indians game. And if you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I finished second last night in that contest. A big shout-out to the winner. But I was able to get the second spot there, a free contest, 600 in cash. So it was a great way to fill the bankroll up, get ready for the fantasy football season, get ready for DFS season. And again, it was a beautiful facility. It was a great party. Great time had by all. So big shout-out to FanDuel, the Meadowlands Racetrack over there. The sports book looks great. People were lining up, ready to go, getting that action in. And, uh, you know, if you're in the area, go check it out. It was a great time had by all. As we get the whistle coming in for quarter one news and notes, let's get right to it. 
Steelers coach Mike Tomlin told WAVY 10 he is optimistic that the team will reach a deal with franchise player Le'Veon Bell ahead of Monday's 4 p.m. Eastern deadline. Quote, he wants to get the deal done, said the longtime Steelers coach. I'm excited and hopeful. Hopefully we will have some exciting news come Monday. The two sides have reportedly made progress in extension talks, though the clock is ticking with Monday's 4 p.m. deadline looming. Bell is prepared to sit out training camp once again, just like he did last season if a deal isn't reached. The Steelers are hoping it doesn't come to that, though Tomlin doesn't sound concerned about Bell's level of fitness. Quote, he is the type of guy who's highly conditioned over a 12-month calendar period, said Tomlin. Listen, folks, we've been down this road before. We did it last year with Le'Veon Bell. He sat out, ultimately signed the franchise tag, missed all of training camp, and when you look at his numbers... May had a slow start, maybe week one, week two, but if you look at his overall numbers last year, he didn't miss a beat. He was as productive as he had ever been. He's going to get his rushing yards. He's going to get his receptions. The key what you want from Bell is you want to see more touchdowns. That's probably the only knock. That's what you want to see with Bell. So, you know, the, that he's able to produce in both ways, running, catching, you know, that, that slow style, that sit-and-wait style. And regardless of if he misses training camp or if he signs a deal before Monday, he's still a top three, top four pick in all fantasy formats. And he's someone that you'll ride as your bell cow number one back if you're able to get him in fantasy, whether it's, you know, redraft, dynasty, whatever it may be, best ball, whatever it is, he's still going to be your guy. Listen, will the contract, if he gets it signed before Monday, help ease a little bit of worry for owners? Absolutely. Am I concerned whether he has the contract or not come the start of uh, week one? I'm not because he will produce either way. It would be great to see him in training camp, but if not, don't fret. He will still be that top three or four back you're looking for. Florida football insiders believe the Jaguars may have interest in retired running back DeMarco Murray. Murray had interest from multiple teams, according to himself, this offseason to be a backup, but there is a little bit of doubt that he's actually going to retire. But the Jaguars, really, if you look at it, don't have any use for him with T.J. Yeldon and Corey Grant already lined up behind workhorse Leonard Fournette. I mean, could it be possible that Murray unretires if a preseason injury arises? Sure. You know, is Jacksonville the right situation for him? I doubt it. I mean, if he's going to be a backup, that's that's really all he is. He's not going to make a fantasy impact anywhere. I mean, at this point in his career, he's had a nice little seven-year career, had some success with Dallas, some success with the Eagles, but we really saw him with the Titans as well. Uh, we really saw him last year kind of take a step back. He looked slow, and I just don't think it's a good fit for him really anywhere. I mean, could the LaShawn McCoy situation open up a door for him in Buffalo? Maybe. But, you know, at, at this point, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you're most likely not going anywhere. Are you really bringing in the 30-year-old running back to kind of take over for a 30-year-old running back that might be suspended? And one who, by the way, is much better at this stage of his career in McCoy than Murray was. So, really, I mean, he may unretire, He may latch on somewhere. But DeMarco Murray is going to have little to no fantasy impact anywhere if he does come back. Lions.com. Tim Twentyman expects Amir Abdullah to keep his roster spot. Abdullah is currently buried on the Lions' depth chart behind LeGarrette Blunt, Theo Riddick, and rookie Kerryon Johnson. He is also a preseason trade candidate, but Abdullah's return value may secure his spot if he isn't dealt. Detroit could clear $1 million in cap space if they were to release Abdullah. Listen, there was some hype for Abdullah when he got drafted a few years ago by the Lions, but the situation just really never was able to get going. We know the hardships of the Lions' backfield between Abdullah and Theo Riddick. They've had trouble running the ball. They've had trouble making a, a mark with the run game. And now you bring in LeGarrette Blunt, who we know his style. He's going to pound and get the touchdowns inside the goal line. And then you draft to carry on Johnson. So you're looking at 
two new running backs in this situation, and Theo Riddick will be a third down back who will catch his passes. He offers that value. Abdullah, really no spot on this team for him. Obviously, if some couple of injuries ahead of him open up, he'll get another shot, but he may be better suited to get dealt or maybe even get cut and kind of latch on with a different team. We just spoke about maybe Murray with the Bills if something happens with LaShawn McCoy with the situation going on. Personally, I think Abdul will be a better fit. He's younger. He'll give you a chance. Maybe maybe the change of scenery gives him the ability to kind of take that step and show that he can play in this league or something like that. So maybe you know the situation for Abdullah would be to get out of Detroit because right now being buried in the fourth spot really doesn't do anything for anybody fantasy-wise. He's definitely worth a stash in Dynasty. He's young enough. If you're looking at a late pick, like I said, the draft I did recently with Mike Randall in Dynasty, I think I got Abdullah in the 29th round. You know, so at that point, you're looking for depth. You're looking for guys to fill out a roster. And he's got some little bit of value if he gets a shot to play somewhere. So right now from redraft-wise, Abdullah, he's, he's worthless at this point. Uh, but just keep an eye out. If he gets dealt and he gets dealt to the right situation, you never know. His value could definitely increase. The New York Post expects Quincy Anunwa to get most of his snaps in the slot. Jermaine Curse played in the slot last year, but Anunwa should return to the role after missing all of 2017. The Jets' top three receivers going into camp will be Robbie Anderson, Anunwa, and Curse. Terrell Pryor, Chad Hansen, and Ardarius Stewart are also going to compete for snaps. Listen, Quincy Anunwa is going to have some value here. Uh, if he's healthy and he's on the field alongside Curse, alongside... Uh, Robbie Anderson, who we know has had a little bit of trouble. Quincy Anunwa, who right now is going late. I mean, we're talking wide receiver 77, 78, 79. So he really, he's been an afterthought in drafts. Could offer some real sneaky value if he shows the form he did two years ago, where he caught 58 passes, nearly 900 yards, and scored four touchdowns. And that's with Josh McCown. I'm hoping the Jets send Sam Darnold out there from week one. I want to see what he can do. I want to see if they really got themselves this, quote, franchise quarterback. I know Jet fans are looking to see Darnold, Josh McCown, and what he did with the Jets last year was very efficient, and he could probably give you that role again. But if you're really looking to build towards the future and you got these two young receivers and you got the veteran and curse there, to me, Sam Darnold's the guy you want to send out there right from week one. Let him take his lumps, let him get his bruises, and let him see what he can do in the league. And Quincy Anuma could be very, very sneaky value late. He could be a streaming replacement if he's not drafted. And he's also going to be someone, if Robbie Anderson gets in any legal trouble, you never know what could happen with Robbie Anderson. Quincy Anunwa's value could only skyrocket. So Quincy Anunwa is someone sneaky to look for with a little bit of value late in drafts, or maybe even as a free agent. He's again, wide receiver 79, so he's not getting any type of respect. Golden Tate does not think his age should be held against him when it comes to contract negotiations, and I agree. The only thing that really bothers me with this contract quote is that now people are trying to use 29 going on 30 against me, and I don't think that's fair because I haven't shown any decline, said Tate in an interview on Sirius XM Radio. Tate has been amongst the most productive slot receivers in football during his Lions tenure, topping 1,000 yards in three of his last four seasons while averaging 93 catches over that span. The Notre Dame alum is slated to receive $7 million in the final year of his contract. If you listen to the last episode, we played the inaugural fantasy, Who Am I? And the first question I gave Mike Randall focused on Golden Tate. Golden Tate does not get any respect, and he should. He's ultra-consistent. He's in an offense with a quarterback that makes the passes, can make the throws, and can get his wide receivers productive value. And Golden Tate has done nothing but do that. Again, 
averaging 93 catches over the last four years. He's topped 4,200 yards over the last four years, nearly 20 touchdowns. Golden Tate, wide receiver 17 right now in PPR leagues, is a tremendous pick. You get through that first one or two rounds or three rounds, you get yourself that, quote, top wide receiver. Or if you're a guy who goes after running back and you go running back, running back, and running back possibly, and you find yourself Golden Tate in the third or fourth round to go with three stud running backs or two stud running backs, you could do a lot worse than a guy who averages 93 catches. He's in a very good offense. Both myself and Randall, we, are, we prefer Tate to Marvin Jones. We do feel that Kenny Galladay will get some action, but we feel he's going to affect Jones more than he would affect Golden Tate. So when you look at a guy like Golden Tate, he's playing for a contract. He wants to show that he can still play in this league, and we know he can play in this league because he's done nothing to, to not show he can do it. He's been ultra-consistent, ultra-productive. Maybe because he's in Detroit, he doesn't get the notoriety that he should. Maybe if he's in a New York or, you know, in, in a town like Pittsburgh or San Francisco or something like that, maybe he gets a little more, or even New England gets more notoriety. The fact that he's in Detroit, I think, lessens you know, the, the mainstream media attention he gets from you know, fans and fantasy players alike. But Golden Tate, for a guy who's about to be 30 years old, the numbers you get from him and the value you get from him is completely worth his value. And he's probably better than a wide receiver 17. I'm not going to tell you he's going to be a wide receiver 1, but he's fringe. He could be very high, could finish as a wide receiver 14, 13, right around there. Uh, Golden Tate, tremendous value when you can get them after you stock up with your one or two top picks there. And as we hear the whistle coming in for quarter number two, I'm going to focus now on an updated list for you. That's my updated top 10 PPR tight end rankings. We've touched a little bit on wide, on wide receivers. Uh, Mike Randall talked to you about his top five running backs while I was away. I'm going to switch gears here and go top 10 tight ends and you know see if it's a little different than the norm. Um, I can tell you right now my number one guy is definitely different from the norm, and we'll start at number one, and that for me is Zach Ertz. You listen to the show, you know him as Zach Ertz guy. I was all over him last season, and he did nothing to disappoint my projections and predictions. Zach Ertz, I put him in the number one spot, and something you may not know, but Ertz has had three consecutive seasons with more catches than Rob Gronkowski. Trey Burton is now in Chicago, full season of Carson Wentz. For me, Zach Ertz is, is the top uh, tight end in fantasy football. Gronkowski's talent is undeniable, but Gronkowski has missed at least five games in four of his eight career seasons, while Ertz has missed five games total in his career. I love the fact that he's in that offense in Philadelphia. Burton is gone. Wentz will be healthy for another go-around, a full season, and the defending champs have, by far, in my opinion, the top tight end overall in fantasy football. So for me, Zach Ertz is number one. Number two is Travis Kelsey. I'm going to take him over Gronk, and that the reason why is, again, the injury history with Gronkowski scares me a little bit. The production doesn't, but the injury history does. Even with a drop-off at quarterback, in my opinion, with Alex Smith stepping away and Pat Mahomes coming in, you know, we don't know what we're going to get from Mahomes. We know he's got a big arm. We know he's got a ton of ability, and the expectations are very high on Pat Mahomes. But for a guy like Kelsey, he's able to produce. He's the top target in this offense. He's had back-to-back years of 1,000 yards receiving. He's back-to-back years, three years in a row of 100 targets or more. In the past two seasons, 85 catches and 83 catches. And he's had 12 touchdowns over the past two years, 24 touchdowns over the past four years. Again, with Alex Smith, who's, you want to say, maybe a little bit more of a game manager, 
But a guy like Pat Mahomes has got to come in, and if he wants to be successful, he's got to lean on his top targets, and his top target is Travis Kelsey. I know Kareem Hunt is there in the backfield, and I know we have Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. But when it comes to reliability, consistency in this offense, Travis Kelsey is the guy. So for me, Pat Mahomes is going to need to rely on him, and he's going to be the number two tight end for me in PPR in fantasy this year, at least at the moment. Number three is the aforementioned Rob Gronkowski. I can drop him from one, I can drop him from two, but I can't go any further than that. We know what Gronk is when he's on the field. We know what type of player he is. He's a dominant player. The injuries are a concern. There was even some talks that he may have wanted to retire going into the season. He's going out there. There were some talks he might have been traded. There were some rumblings up in New England that the coaching staff, the ownership, everybody's not, they weren't all on the same page when it came to Gronkowski. But Tom Brady was. That essentially is the reason why Gronkowski's still here, because Tom Brady wants him here. And you know Tom Brady wants him here. There's no Edelman for for four weeks due to the suspension. You got Chris Hogan coming in and take over the lead guy, lead, lead role as a wide receiver at the moment. You brought in guys like Jordan Matthews, Cordero Patterson, and so forth. So, And you lose a Danny Amendola to Miami. So Gronkowski, as long as he stays healthy, is going to be the top target. But let's face it, he's probably going to miss three to four games this year. It's just what happens to the guy. He's a big guy, and I guess when he gets hurt, it hurts a little more than others do. But Rob Gronkowski, no denying what he can do on the field when he's there. Last season, played 14 games, had 105 targets, only 69 catches, but he did score eight touchdowns and broke 1,000 yards. What you want to see from Gronkowski is what you saw in 2014 and 2015, and that's 82 catches and 72 catches, over 1,100 yards, and a combined 23 touchdowns. So if he can go back to that form of 2014 and 2015, then maybe he will go past Ertz and Kelsey and become the number one tight end again this year. But for now, with the youth in Ertz, the ability of Kelsey, and the offense that they're in, and the respective roles that they need to play in that offense, I put Ertz one, Kelsey two, Gronkowski three. Number four, quote, let's call him old reliable. Delaney Walker continues to be an asset to the Tennessee Titans offense. He's a reliable target for Marcus Mariota. And he's just been ultra consistent over his career. Walker, he's been a top eight tight end each of the past four seasons and really hasn't shown any sign of slowing down. He's seen at least 100 targets in those four seasons. So maybe the only thing you might expect is maybe a touchdown regression. I know there's some love for Jonu Smith in that Titans offense. You know, Mike Randall loves Jonu Smith, but he also loves Delaney Walker. He's actually, I think he's a closet Titan fan because we know his love for DeMarco Murray. He's a big Mariota guy. Loves him, Rashard Matthews. So he he says he's got no allegiance to a team. I, I I'm going to start to peg Randall as a Tennessee Titans fan, and we'll, we'll touch base with him when we're back together in a couple weeks on that. But again, Delaney Walker ultra consistent. I mean, the targets numbers are there. The yardage, okay, 800 yards, 807 yards. But the catches are there for PPR, and the touchdowns are there. 11 touchdowns over the past two seasons, 17 over the past three, and he did have 94 catches back in 2015. Sure, he's another year older, but he's playing that tight end position. He's got great hands. He's someone you want to be reliant on, and if he's your tight end one, you can't go wrong in fantasy. For me, number five, this will be where things start to shake up a little bit. We talked about him in the fantasy Who Am I last week, and that was Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle led the league in catches for tight ends last year, and now he comes into a season where right now Fantasy Pros has him ranked as a tight end 11. I'm giving him as my tight end five in, in PPR leagues. If Andrew Luck comes back healthy, 
and all signs right now are that Andrew Luck is progressing well, and he's going to be ready to go come week one. You got T.Y. Hilton on the outside, and then you have a plethora of who? A plethora of guys that are trying to become the number two wide receiver in Indianapolis. Well, isn't the number two wide receiver, or maybe the 1B, right in front of you at the tight end position in Jack Doyle? 80 catches last year on 108 targets. Okay, the yardage, 690. Worries you a little bit. You want to see some more yardage. But he played a full season with Jacoby Brissett. And no knock on Jacoby Brissett, who I did, felt did an admirable job in his role as the quarterback for the Colts last year. But Jack Doyle was consistent. He showed good hands. He scored four touchdowns last year, and the target share is there. So in comes Andrew Luck, who at one point in time was considered one of the real, real, real good quarterbacks in this league, and is still going to be considered that as long as he can show he can be healthy and play this game at an elite level. Andrew Luck will get right back to that status. And so with him, how can you know you project Jack Doyle to take a step back? I mean, is T.Y. Hilton getting 180 targets? I mean, where are we throwing the ball to in Indianapolis? I know Ryan Grant's there, but are you a believer in Ryan Grant? If you if you are a believer in Ryan Grant, then go for it. But I, I'm a believer in T.Y. Hilton takes a step forward, as I said last week in the wide receiver rankings. And I'm a believer in Jack Doyle stays consistent and goes forward instead of regressing with a healthy Andrew Luck. So Jack Doyle, plug him in at the number five spot for me in my top ten fantasy tight ends. Number six, how about Kyle Rudolph? Kyle Rudolph had himself a very, very nice year last year with Case Keenum, who surprised everybody uh, with the season he had, getting the Vikings to that NFC Championship game, playing really, really good quarterback for the Vikings. He is now gone. He is in Denver. And in comes the biggest free agent signing in the offseason, the guy everybody was talking about, Kirk Cousins. Cousins has shown a propensity of really having good connections with his tight ends, right? Look at him in Washington. You know, early days, he had some good connections with a guy like Niles Paul. When Jordan Reed is healthy, him and Reed have connected pretty well. And how about the reincarnation of Vernon Davis? Vernon Davis was left basically on the street when he went left for San Francisco. Nobody thought he could play again. He goes to Washington, and he was an extremely productive piece with Kirk Cousins for a couple seasons with the Redskins. So now Kirk Cousins is gone. He goes out to Minnesota, and he gets himself a, a tight end, a legitimate tight end in Kyle Rudolph. Two years ago, 132 targets for Kyle Rudolph. That's a very, very big number. That's what you want to see from the tight end position. Last year, the targets dropped to 81, 57 catches. Gives you 530-something yards, but how about eight touchdowns? So when you're looking at a tight end, you want a guy that's going to be effective inside the 20, someone that you know when they're looking for the red zone and they're looking for the end zone is a guy that's a candidate to catch a touchdown pass every time. And that's Kyle Rudolph for you. 15 touchdowns over the last two seasons. The target share is there. He is the only game in town when it comes to tight ends. He's got himself a quarterback, which I believe we'll all feel is an upgrade. There'll be a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins. We know that. This Viking team is good. they got talent at the skill positions as well. With Thielen and Diggs, and the running back position is solid with Dalvin Cook and even Latavius Murray as you know, the handcuff there in Minnesota should Cook not come back healthy. So there's talent there. But he's a 28-year-old tight end who's been ultra-consistent during his time in the league. You give him a shot here with probably the top quarterback he's going to have during his time. Kyle Rudolph, for me, like him in the sixth spot and the top ten. Number seven, another one of those wily veterans, and that's Greg Olson. Greg Olson in Carolina has been ultra-consistent as well. He now gets a, you know, he's a year older. He gets their, the wide receiver talent. Kelvin Benjamin's gone. You look for Devin Funches to take the lead role. They bring in a DJ Moore. 
And then the running backs, you got Christian McCaffrey, who's the threat to take some receptions, and C.J. Anderson, who's not really going to be there for the receptions, but he's going to be there for, for goal line touches. So there's a there's, there's a different a different feel at the skill positions in Carolina, but the one constant is Greg Olson, and Cam Newton and Greg Olson have been ultra-consistent together as well. He was hurt last year, so the injury is going to worry a few people if he comes back healthy from, from the foot injury that he had last year that made him miss a lot of time. So he may drop a little bit when it comes to tight end rankings. And look, Fantasy Pros has got him at four. I got him at seven, so I did drop him a little bit. But that's more because I'm high. I'm higher on other guys like Jack Doyle and Kyle Rudolph, just, just to name a few. I'm going to take out the injury plague seasoned. You've got 109 targets, 123 targets, 124 and 129, and catches anywhere between 73 and 84 over the last four healthy seasons he's played. His touchdowns are there, 6-6, six, 7-3. Six, so Greg Olson is another model of consistency at a tight end position that when you get past the top 10 or 11 does get very thin. But the tight end position's taken on a bigger role in fantasy lately. You play a lot of these leagues now where the super flex also includes a quarterback, but also includes tight end. And there's tight end premium. And they make you draft these tight ends and because the production's been there. They become bigger parts of the offense now. And Greg Olson's going to offer you some tremendous value. Even if he dips a little bit, if, if, if players are worried about the foot, as long as he comes back healthy, Greg Olson is going to be a very vital weapon for the Panthers and a very vital weapon for your fantasy team. Number eight is an old face in a new place, and that's Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham had a rough time in Seattle. He never lived up to expectations. He just could not get on the same page with Russell Wilson, but he did show some flashes last season. The yard numbers, all-time low for Graham last year, 520. But he did come up with 10 touchdowns. He's now going to Green Bay with the best quarterback on the planet, many people will say, and Aaron Rodgers. It's up for debate, but Aaron Rodgers, we know, is a top. If he's not the best, he's a top one, top, top two, top three quarterback in this league. But many people feel he's the best. Goes into an offense with Aaron Rodgers and with a rather, in my opinion, thin wide receiver core. I know Devontae Adams is a, is a high pick for many of you guys. But then after that, you go to Geronimo Allison. You go to an older Randall Cobb. The running backs are a bit of a question mark. Who is it going to be, Aaron Jones or Jamal Lewis or Jamal Williams? Aaron Jones just got suspended for a couple games. Is Ty Montgomery going to take some action? So when you look for a tight end, I'm going to preface this down by saying that he's 8 and he's in my top 10 strictly on his touchdown potential and his red zone volume. I'm not expecting 75 to 80 catches. He's probably going to be in the area where he was last year with about 55, 57 catches. But if he can produce those 10, 12, maybe even 14 touchdowns, if he's in the red zone and Aaron Rodgers can finally utilize the tight end, he's had some trouble with Cook, with Richard Rodgers, Martellus Bennett, the list goes on and on of tight ends that have struggled in Green Bay. But he is 31 years old. He's another year older. It's a tough schedule for the, green, for the tight ends uh, in Green Bay, 28th overall, ranked based by fantasy pros. But again, if you're drafting Jimmy Graham, you're not drafting him necessarily for the volume, but you are drafting him for the touchdown and his production inside the red zone. So for me, I'm going to give you Jimmy Graham as number eight. Number nine might upset a few people, and people may think he deserves to be higher, but that's Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram last year had a very, very solid rookie season. But let's remember, Odell Beckham was hurt. Brandon Marshall was hurt. Sterling Shepard was hurt. There was no running game in town. Basically, for more than half the season, Evan Ingram was the only reliable option for Eli Manning. You had Roger Lewis, Travis Rudolph, Tavares King, so forth. 
but it was Evan Ingram and Evan Ingram alone. Gives you a line of 64 catches for 722 and six touchdowns. Showed the ability. He's young. He could play the position. But now you come to this year, you draft Saquon Barkley, who Giant fans and NFL pundits projecting for 300 to 350 touches. You know myself and Randall, we're not exactly as big on Barkley as the rest of the uh, country is, but that's you know a discussion for another day. You get a healthy Odell Beckham. You bring back Sterling Shepard, who's now a healthy Sterling Shepard, who I'm big on this year. And you have now three guys or four guys that are going to be fighting for production. And not every one of these guys can produce. Someone's got to take a step back. And if you think Beckham isn't, and if you like Shepard and you love Barkley, oh, it's got to be Ingram, right? Someone's got to take a step back here. Can he re- find the 64 catches, 70 catches? It's very possible. The targets might dip a little bit. He's also going to be dependent now. Can he produce? Can he improve on that six-touchdown performance that he had last year? With the guys at the skill position, it may be tougher for Ingram to do that. So, listen, you look at these guys on this giant offense, and like I said, someone's got to take a step back. The offensive line is still shaky, in my opinion. I know Nate Solder's there, but he's a year older. He's not the same player he was a couple years ago. And you draft the, the, the kid in the, in the draft. You bring him in for the line to try and upgrade it. You still got Eric Flowers there. So, for me, that line is still very shaky. Manning will be under distress. And, again, he's a regression candidate as well as he continues to regress at his old age as Eli Manning. So, Evan Ingram, not dropping him out of the top ten, but I'm not putting him in the top five or top six. For me, number nine behind the guys that we mentioned earlier. And then rounding out the top ten is a newcomer to this list. Uh, or newcomer, I should say, getting a chance to start for the first time, and that's Trey Burton. Trey Burton, you know, I've talked about him a little bit. I'm, I'm very interested and intrigued in what J- Trey Burton can do. Um, he showed some flashes in Philadelphia with the Eagles. Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, so be it. Last year, 31 targets, hit 23 catches, but the key was five touchdowns. So Ertz missed a little bit of time. Burton got got a chance to get out there. He scored five touchdowns. Now he goes to an offense in Chicago with a guy with an offense that he's familiar with, and Matt Nagy is going to run. He gets a second-year quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, who I think a lot of us feel is going to take that next step. He showed some flashes. He's got good running backs around him. He's got a veteran wide receiver in Allen Robinson that has come in to kind of lead the wide receiver core. And he's, he's, he's 26. He's getting his first crack. And you like the 31 targets and 23 catches. The, tar- the catch-to-target ratio was very good. He averaged nearly 11 yards per catch, which is, again, a first down per catch. It's what you want to see. And those five touchdowns out of 23 catches is very important. It's going to become a red zone threat. He's going to become a middle-of-the-field threat. And it's a weapon for Mitch Trubisky to build on and grow with. So Trey Burton, a new addition in, in the Bears offense, an offense he's familiar with. He's going to round out my top 10 for your fantasy wide rec- uh, fantasy tight ends in PPR. So quickly, one more time. Zach Ertz, one. Travis Kelsey, two. Rob Gronkowski, three. Delaney Walker, four. Jack Doyle, five. Kyle Rudolph, six. Greg Olson, seven. Jimmy Graham, eight. Evan Ingram, nine. And Trey Burton rounds out my top 10 as we prepare for the third quarter. And before we get into that third quarter, I just want to talk to you about a partner to the uh, podcast, and that is Draft, draft Draft.com. You're looking for a new exciting way to play fantasy sports? Then try the Draft app. Draft is currently filling best ball leagues, so you can get that football fixed, and you can get in on all the action. For our listeners, if you use the code PUTB with your first deposit of $10 or more, you will get yourself a free entry into a real cash contest. Once again, that code is PUTB. Get in on the draft action now. Download the draft app. Go to draft.com. 
get a snake draft going, get best ball. You like other sports, play other sports. It's a great app. It's a good time. Get yourself geared up for the fantasy football DFS season at draft.com. All right, folks, quarter number three, we're underway. And as we sit here in the third quarter, I want to kind of discuss a piece that I just put out for a, a new site that I am writing for. I am still writing for Last Word on Pro Football, but I've now added the Score Crow Sports. Uh, as a site that I am writing for, a great group of guys there. They uh, reached out looking for a couple of NFL writers, and I decided to hop on board. And I just put out a recent article about the Tennessee Titans backfield. Uh, we talk about them on this podcast a, a decent amount, but the Derrick Henry and the Deion Lewis is the world. And I put the article on this, the Score Crow Sports, referring to them. That's thunder and lightning. We've heard that a lot over the years. You've heard that most notably with the Giants, with Ron Day and Tiki Barber years ago. But I kind of just wanted to really break down the piece a little bit and just kind of se- see what separates the two. You know, I, I, as the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, he's referred to both Henry and Lewis as kind of a 1A, 1B in the Titans' backfield. If you listen to this show, you know both myself and Mike Randall, we are of the ilk that Derrick Henry is going to be the guy to take on the lead role for the Titans. So just a couple nuggets on Derrick Henry here. When he gets at least 12 carries in a game since he entered the league in 2016, the Titans are 12-0. and If it's 10 or less, they're 7-13. and And during his time, he was split in time with, with DeMarco Murray. During that time frame, he averaged 6.09 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. And that's impressive because you're looking for a running back that if you're if you're in a winning situation, you're looking for a running back to pound the ball, get your first downs, and close out the game. And when you're averaging 6.09 a clip in the fourth quarter, it's exactly what you're looking for. That's exactly the type of production. So his efficiency for Derrick Henry has been you know off the charts when he's been on the field. He's 247 pounds. He's a big-time back. He led the team in rushing yards last year with 744 and five touchdowns, even though he was out-carried by DeMarco Murray. And also, don't forget that playoff performance he had against Kansas City. It was, one of, it was an eye-opening performance in that wild-card win. You know, 23 carries, 156 yards on a touchdown, and he really showed strong power, the ability to cut and run, and really carry the team on his back when he needed to. So it was a big effort from him. And, you know, when you look at a website like playerprofile.com, and uh, Mike Randall's a big proponent of that site, and I've, I've really come along with them as well. They do a great job breaking things down. He ranked in the top 10 in yards per carry last year at 1.81 yards created per carry. So this is this is him finding holes, making things happen, and, you know, producing numbers when maybe the situation didn't really warrant it. Maybe it was he broke a tackle, was able to find a hole that might not have been there. So 1.81 yards created per carry was in the top 10 and then another key key number which kind of goes along with that 6.09 yards per carry in the fourth quarter is the fact that he ranks second in yards per carry against stacked fronts with 12.8 so when you're looking for a guy when defenses are really trying to close up the hole you know you know crowd the box and stop you from producing if you're able to to break that break through that and produce a number like a 12.8 finish second against a stacked front that shows you got the great power you need to be a power back to get those first downs and even get those goal line touchdowns. This is what we're looking for here in a fantasy situation. So you know he he in my opinion deserves a crack and at being the lead back here, and the numbers have shown it. He hasn't had the chance to be you know the workhorse. Demarco Murray was there. They now they're bringing in Lewis, but he deserves first crack here if he's able to increase his ability or improve his ability to catch passes out of the backfield. And pick up the blitz op- the blitzes better, uh, you know, in, in situations that warrant it. He's going to be a very very intriguing pick um, for fantasy owners. You know, he's going to offer some value in PPR leagues. He's going behind Deion Lewis, who we'll get to in a minute. 
So it, it, it's very interesting. You know, both Mike Randall and I have a feeling that Derrick Henry is going to crack crack the top ten. But when you look at him right now in a PPR for fantasy pros, he's ranked as a wide as a running back twenty six. Deion Lewis is a running back twenty one, and that's strictly because when you look at a guy like Deion Lewis, as we switch over, you know, you look at him and you think of scat back, but he's really he's really not a prototypical stat, scat back because he can run the ball just as well as, as as any other running back could. You know, he's the quote one B of this tandem, but he will bring multiple elements to this Titan offense. You know, the initial thought here is he's gonna be the third down back and catch some passes and catch a lot of passes. And that's what we expect as well. But should Derrick Henry not be able to carry the load and falter, he is a guy that can go out and run the ball, find the hole as well. I mean, he's coming off his most productive rushing year in the NFL, and that was with the Patriots last year. You know, due to the 2015 and 2016 seasons in New England, he had 113 carries over 14 games. Last year alone, he carried the ball for 180 80 times and approached 900 yards and averaged five yards a carry. So again, just like we touched on with the 6.09 in the fourth for Derrick Henry, Lewis showed the ability to when he had to pound the rock and get the yards that were needed to maybe close out situations or break off a big run, he was able to do so at 5.0 per clip, and he scored six rushing touchdowns. You know, Titans running back coach Tony Dews sees Lewis as a smaller, more compact version of Henry, stating physically we can think of him as small, but, quote, he is short because he's shorter than Derek, but he also has a very strong, compact build with good balance. What people are going to be looking for Deion Lewis to do for them in fantasy leagues, and this is why he's going ahead of Henry in PPR leagues especially, is to catch passes. But over the past three years, Deion Lewis, he, he's got 85 passes caught, and that's over three years. So you're looking at less than 30 per season. Now, I know he was in a crowded backfield with James White, LeGarrette Blunt at times, Mike Gillisley, uh, Rex Burkhead, and so forth. So there were a lot of names in New England and a lot of weeks that we really couldn't get a read on who was going to be the lead guy. So here you go into Tennessee, you know it's going to be Henry and it's going to be Lewis. The Titans are high on Henry. You know, they've been high on Henry. They're bringing Lewis here as a support system to be that quote 1B. You know, if Henry can't get the job done, then Lewis is a guy that is definitely worth a pick. You know, some some people ask, is this a situation where you should team backfield, as Mike Randall likes, likes to do? You know, for me... If I'm drafted, I'm targeting Derrick Henry, and I think this is one of those situations where I would lay off the team backfield and take my shot because despite the numbers what Lewis shows and his ability he shows, I just have I've had this feeling for months You know that Derrick Henry is going to be this guy to go in there, carry the ball 25 times, he's going to be a threat at the goal line, he's going to be able to close out games when he needs to. And you know another thing you got to look at is the Titans offensively have some good players around them Good players at the skill position. You got a Rashard Matthews. You got a Delaney Walker. We talked about. You got an up and coming Corey Davis. You got a quarterback who's coming second year now, removed from injury. We expect better things from Mariota. So, you know what you expect is a lot of positive game game script from the Titans, and the positive game script to me leans more towards the every down back, the first and second down back. You know he's going to get minimal action probably on third downs because Lewis is the ability to catch the catch the ball. But Derrick Henry, I know many people may not be as high on him as we are, but when you look and you listen to podcasts and you look for information and you look for guys to give you stuff, you don't want us to say, yeah, you know, Le'Veon Bell is going to be the best, David Johnson is going to be the best. You want to kind of try and have guys help you find maybe that, that, that piece you weren't expecting or that guy to kind of break through and take the next step. 
and become, you know, have, have the year a Todd Gurley had last year after having a bad year the previous year or be the breakout that Kamara and Alvin, uh, uh, that Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt were last year. You know, you want to try to find those guys. You know, it's great to find them after they've done it because everybody else has found it. You want to find them ahead of time. And for me and for Randall here, we're, we're both in agreement that Derrick Henry is going to be that guy and, and, and be the one that can really be a key piece to your to your fantasy success. I'm looking at this being more of a 65-35-70-30 split. I feel Henry's going to crack 1,000 yards, and I think he's going to approach double-digit touchdowns because that's what he's going to be there to do. Put the ball in the end zone, get the first downs, move the chains. And again, Lewis can have a very nice year in this offense. He's had a career high of 36 catches in one season. It's not an astronomical number. And if he's going to have to play the role of third down back and his value is PPR, you're going to need to see more than 36 catches for him to really offer you value. So for me, when you're looking at these two running backs, Derrick Henry, Deion Lewis, Eileen Derrick Henry, that's the guy I'm telling you to target. You know, when you look at him now in PPR again, he's, he's a, the RB26 in PPR. He's going behind Mark Ingram, who's going to miss six games. He's going behind Jay Ajayi. Do we know he can carry the load in Philadelphia? Lamar Miller does question marks. Royce Freeman, we haven't seen play an NFL game yet. Uh, neither have we seen Rashad Penny or Darius Geis. Alex Collins is going ahead of him. There's this threat that Deion Lewis is going to take production away from Henry. While I feel Lewis will get what he has to get, Henry's going to be the guy to own in this in this Titan offense. You know, and I'm going to put out a, on Twitter from the podcast handle, we're going to throw this out there. There's three running back situations that, quote, team backfield, some key ones, ones we've seen in the past. I just want to get your your feelings on which is the better situation, is the lead, who's the biggest threat to the lead back. You know, we'll put out Derrick Henry versus Deion Lewis. We'll put Devontae Freeman versus Tevin Coleman. And then we'll give you Jordan Howard versus Tariq Cohen. You guys look at that. You, you know, reply to us at the pod at PUT Blitz. Hit Mike, at, Mike up at Randall Rant. Get me at SEOT557. Tell us what situation you think is the best, the worst. You know, is it Freeman, Henry, Howard? Which one? Is, has to really kind of look over his shoulder in case he falters and worry about losing playing time. You know, I know one we've seen for a few years now is that Freeman-Coleman combo, and we know Coleman's set to be a free agent. So is he looking for, you know, a real breakout season to get paid next year? You know, most likely he'll be he'll be out of Atlanta with Freeman getting his contract last season. So you got to watch that and take a look at that situation. But you let us know. Is it Henry versus Lewis, Freeman versus Coleman, and Howard versus Cohen? You know, interact with us and we'll get to it. As we move into the fourth quarter here, it's a great lead in as we talk a little bit about you guys on social media and what's going on. So in the fourth quarter here, I wanted to talk to you guys about, I wanted to interact with you guys. I put out earlier on Twitter, you know, if you had any questions, any fantasy-related questions, I tried to get them on the air here, answer them for you as we talk. And I also put out a Twitter poll, which I'll talk about first. And I really wanted to see what people thought about, you know, which, which of these running backs is offering the better value here in PPR formats. Um, I put four running backs out there. Of course, you know, I like to use the Fantasy Pros rankings, so I base them off Fantasy Pros' current rankings. And the poll's been up now for about about, about eight hours, let's say. And we got about 215 votes, and I gave you four candidates. I gave you Deion Lewis as the RB21 right now in PPR leagues. I gave you Duke Johnson as the RB29. Tevin Coleman as the RB31. And Tariq Cohen as the RB32. And I wanted to know who you felt had the best PPR value. And i got to be honest with you, that right now it's a little surprising to me the way this is going. Uh, Tevin Coleman is the leader at 
Not necessarily surprised that Tevin Coleman is listed as an RB31. Basically, people are telling you he's an RB3, which we, we know he's going to finish better than an RB3 as long as he gets on the field and gets some of those touches. But the one that's really surprised me is the guy that's in last, and that's Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson at 19% as your RB29. You know I'm a fan of Duke Johnson. He's coming off a 93-catch season. He's going to line up at the slot. He's going to be a, a third down back. He's going to get some carries as well. I know he's in a crowded situation with Hyde and Chubb, but, you know, as an RB29, I mean, Duke Johnson has potential to be more of a top 15 PPR back, especially if he's going to line up in the slot and get those catches. I mean, I mean, listen, how many of you really realize that he had 93 catches last season? You think about it. That's a lot of catches for a running back. 93 catches would mean the targets, the target share was really high for him. And this is when he's splitting time with Isaiah Crowell, who's not a slouch at running back, who's now with the Jets and has a chance to be a lead guy there. So it's a little surprising that he's at 19%. Uh, Tariq Cohen comes in at 25% second, and Deion Lewis 23% third. So that's what you guys are thinking right now. Still plenty of time to get in there and vote. I'll give you the final results on the next episode. Uh, if you go to you know my, my Twitter handle at SCOT557, it's up there for you to vote. Uh, who is the best PPR value right now between Deion Lewis, Duke Johnson, and uh, Tevin Coleman and Tariq Cohen? I had also put out there a couple of questions. If you guys had any questions and you needed some fantasy answers, uh, I'd try to get them on the air for you, and that's what we're going to try to do here. Start off with at... Min Sue. It's a lot of N's, a lot of S's and U's in the Twitter handle there. But he basically, he's asking, Gurley, Zeke, or Bell in a full point PPR? Quote, personally, I'm not a big fan of Gurley, and I think it's very unlikely for him to repeat his performance from last year. And he's worried about Bell starting off slow if he doesn't report to minicamp. So he's asking, is Zeke the sure bet here? Um, look, if you talk to Mike Randall, Zeke Elliott is the guy to the guy to target at number one, and I really can't fault you if you want to go that route as well. Um, he is the be-all, end-all in that Cowboys offense. He is the only game in town in that backfield, and he's going to grow, continue to grow as a receiving back as well. I understand the Bell situation worries you a little bit, starting off slow if he misses camp. But if he does come back uh, and sign that contract before the deadline, like we talked about a little earlier, I wouldn't be too worried about him uh, if he was your number one overall pick. Um, Gurley, for me, is going to be third out of the bunch. I think it's going to be really hard-pressed for Todd Gurley, who should have won the MVP last year, to come back and repeat that performance. He, it's only likely he's going to take a little bit of a step back if you're asking me right now between the three of them to give you an order, it's it's going to be very, very close between Elliott and Bell. I will put Bell 1 as I went over my rankings last time, uh, Zeke 2, and then we'll put Gurley 3 out of those three. But it's very tight between Bell and Elliott. Elliott's only going to continue to grow and be as dominant as he was. And Bell, if he signs the tag, he's going to be playing for a contract. And if he signs a contract, it's going to be looking to prove he's worth the money he's getting. So... You can't go wrong with either one of them. Uh, put Bell 1, Elliott 2, and Gurley number 3. Uh, Eric at Touchdown Upside is looking for some advice, some tips and advice for first-time commissioners. Started a work league last year and kind of just learned on the fly. I've been running leagues for a while now. My, my league personally is going on 13 years. I've done a few other leagues, and I've been in the, playing fantasy football for you know God knows how long. You know, listen, you being the commissioner of the league, it really comes down to just little, little things. I mean, obviously, you want to make sure you have guys that you're not going to have to worry about chasing funds down for and so forth if you're playing for monetary value. You want to kind of collect that right from the get-go. So that's a big thing because when it comes time to, you know, give the winner whatever they're getting, you got to make sure you have that ready to go. 
you know, other things you just want to pay attention to. You want to pay attention to your waiver rules. Do you want to make waivers a continuous list? Do you want to go based on standings? Do you want to make it random? For me, in the leagues I use, waivers, really, it's, it's a rolling list based on the standings. Um, if you're 12th and you're last in your league, it, it, based on the way things are going, to me, it's only fair that you're going to get first crack at waivers. So that'll always go based on the standings, and that's something I think is something you should do. Scoring-wise, a lot of leagues like to use four points for touchdowns. Some like to use six. You want to judge that. You want to judge which is the best option for you. The league I run, we use six points for touchdowns. That's just the way I've been doing it for for a while, and I like it, um, and that's that's what I like to use. So you want to focus on that. You want to make sure you got your scoring rules down. You want to make sure your scoring rules are out there for anybody in the league to review ahead of time pre-draft. You don't want to get in a situation where – people aren't understanding you're in a ppr league as opposed to a standard league which again another thing i would do always focus on ppr it's more enjoyable in my opinion if you're going to make a league you want to get value out of those catches but you want to make sure the guys in your league understand the rules you want to make sure they understand it ahead of time you don't want any post draft questions or post week one questions as to why you're you know why did my guy get so so many points as opposed to this you know i thought he was going to get you don't want that situation you don't want any drama in your leagues you want the points and the system to run smoothly so make sure that's out in the open for anybody in your league playing fractional points i think is a key thing too i played in some leagues where it's no fractional points and you're just playing full points so if you finished with 97 yards and you're in you know you're getting a 0.1 per yard instead of getting 9.7 you're only getting nine and what that does for you is that leaves situ that leaves situations for ties to happen and nobody wants to have ties in fantasy football i've taken part in a league actually myself and my grandel in a league where ties do happen and i tell you when you're only playing 13 game regular seasons ties can be detrimental to you when it comes to playoff seeding and where you're looking to stay and finish at the end of the year. So for me, fractional points are key. Got to get every ounce of points. If you finish with 97 yards, you want 9.7 as opposed to 9. And again, I said a little earlier, PPR league. Use the PPR league. It's more fun. It's more entertaining. And then you just want to value. Do you want a half-point PPR? Do you want a full-point PPR? Uh, the league I had been running for a while was half-point. Up until this uh, last year, I changed it to full-point PPR. And it will stay a full-point going forward. If you're drafting wide receivers and running backs that are getting a ton of targets and a ton of catches, you want to be rewarded for that. You want to be drafted, drafting them and getting what you should get. So for me, a full point PPR is the way to go when it comes to setting up your leagues. So that's just a couple of things when you're setting up a league you want to look at. But again, the key thing is making sure your rules are out there. Everybody's aware of it. They know what's going on going into it because you don't want any post-draft questions or anything like that because that's just... You don't want drama in your league. You want to make sure you got guys that are sticking around and they're going to be with you for a while. I've been fortunate enough to have this league for a long time. And, you know, the bulk of the players have stuck around. We've had to get rid of some players, you know, for various reasons. But the core guys have been there, and it's been a really smooth league to run for me. Uh, last question is going to come from at Shantytown Brown. He's asking me, should your draft strategy change based on your draft position? Well, we touched about this, touched on this a couple episodes uh, ago as well. I mean, you're always going to have a strategy going into it. You know, you, you do mock drafts and you, you look at different positions and where players are going and you look at the ADPs and you get a good feel for it. So you know what you're looking for going into it. But if you're in a lot of leagues where the draft order, let's just say, is, is put up, you know, a half hour to an hour beforehand, which if you're doing a you know basic Yahoo league and so forth like that, that's really the case. You don't really know where you're drafting until about an hour before the draft, a half hour before the draft. So you, you could do as many mocks as you want, and you could be in a six or seven hole, and you targeted what you're looking for, and you targeted the players you want, but then 
you find out you got the first or second pick. Well, listen, naturally your strategy is going to change because now you're looking at a player you didn't expect to get, maybe a position you weren't targeting. You know, if you were sitting sixth and you thought, well, you know, maybe I get a Michael Thomas or, you know, uh, you know uh, a running back that's not Bell, Elliott, and so forth, or Gurley, you had a strategy in place that maybe you're going to go wide receiver and get a running back of the comeback or go wide receiver, wide receiver, running back at that position. Now, if you're in the one hole or the two hole, now you're focusing on a player. Now, do you reach for the guy you thought you were going to get at six? Is it worth taking that reach? Personally, right now, with the running backs that are there, with the Johnsons and stuff like that, and even the top wide receivers, the Hopkins, the Beckhams, the Julios, it's not worth, and of course, the Antonio Browns, it's not worth reaching when you have that immense talent at your disposal. But now, if you take a Le'Veon Bell or Ezekiel Elliott at two, and now you're waiting for the you know the 23rd pick on a comeback. Of course, your strategy is going to change because a ton of those players you were targeting in the middle of the draft are going to be gone. You're going to be looking at different players, different situations. So I think naturally your strategy is going to change. Do you have to alter it you know to the point where you're just getting a, completely away from your game plan? No, but you may be getting players that you didn't think you'd get. You have to start targeting similar similar players in similar situations. But, you know, listen, it'll just naturally change because unless you are in a situation in the draft where you know your draft position a couple of days ahead of time, that allows you to focus on your position and understand, okay, well, here's the full strategy I'm going into now. This is what I'm going to do. But a lot of leagues, if you're doing a live draft, let's per say you're going out to a bar with a bunch of guys or, you know, local establishment, you get the big draft kit, the draft board and whatnot, most of the times... You're doing the draft order right then and there. So you're, it's more on the spot. You get everybody set up. You're having a couple drinks, a couple some wings and whatnot. You're having a good time. Before the draft starts, you're pulling a name out of the hat or you're going on the computer, randomizing draft order. You know, you could have had a strategy in mind, but you have no idea what you're doing. But if you're in a league where it's a couple days ahead of time and it allows you to plan for it, then you stick with your strategy. You stick with the guys you had targeted and you focus on what's going to go on there. But again, you always got to be able to adjust on the fly, willing to adjust on the fly. And roll with the punches because drafts can be tricky. You know, you could think you have them lined up the way they're going to be. You think you know what's going to happen. But then somebody comes in and drafts that quarterback fifth overall. And then you're like, wait, what just happened here? You know, Aaron Rodgers is going number five. This just changed the whole complexion of, of my draft. And and it's happened. You've, you've all been in leagues that way. I've been in leagues that way. You really never know who's going to take who in what position. So you always got to be willing to adjust on the fly. Well, listen, folks, I appreciate you guys getting involved with me on Twitter. I appreciate the questions, um, the interaction on the Twitter poll. This was, this, was, this was different for me. First time going solo. I know you guys had Mike Randall solo a couple times uh, in the past, but first time for me. Uh, enjoyed it. Missed my partner, though. Looking forward to getting him back after we finish up the vacations here in the summer. And uh, I'm really glad you guys took part with me on social media today. Keep voting in that Twitter poll. We'll get to it uh, next episode, get you the final results on that. If you got any other questions, you know you could always hit me up at SCOT557. My partner is at Randall Rant. The pod is at PUT Blitz. We always try to make ourselves available as much as we can, give you as much information as we can, interact with you as much as we can. You know, go to iTunes, follow the podcast, subscribe. You know, if you like what you hear, let us know. If you don't like what you hear, let us know. What can we do different? How can we, you know, work with you guys and really give you the best enjoyable show that we can? Again, last word on pro football. You catch me right in there. You can catch Mike, Mike right in there as well. Take a listen to Mike's Rotoviz series. He's doing a lot of team previews. Got some great interviews, some great knowledge with Rotoviz. He's doing the AFC North right now, so check his Twitter handle out. Get some great information on the players in the AFC North. 
Go to the last word on pro football. Check us out. And also go to the score crow and check out my latest piece, my first piece with them on the Titans backfield that we touched on a little bit. Again, Scott Burke rolling solo here. Thanks for hanging out. <laughs>